turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to talk about the importance of being connected to the body of Christ as believers. While you're turning there, uh, we're going to look at Romans 12, and we'll be looking at verses 9 to 13. I was at the men's advance this weekend, and we were having a great time together. Uh, I came back so I could be here for Sunday morning, obviously, and uh, bring the message today. But uh, thanks for your prayers for those guys who were there. Uh, we had about 40 guys in a good variety in terms of young and old and different ages and uh, those that were new to the church as well as those who have been here a long time. And uh, just a great chance to connect and spend some time together. So uh, thanks for your prayers for all of us and the guys that are still up there and they'll be coming back today. But let's pray as we begin and we'll take a look at God's word this morning. Father, we come to you today and when we think about what it means to be the body of Christ and to experience authentic community, Lord, would you do that here? Would you help us to be that kind of body of believers that really loves one another cares about one another and demonstrates that in our relationships, that we would be growing closer to you and growing closer to one another and experiencing all that you intend for your church to be. Help us as we study your word this morning to take it and apply it to our own personal lives and to think about what our part is in becoming an authentic Christian community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to what Paul writes here. He says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. On the night before Jesus went to the cross, he met with his disciples in the upper room. And when they were there, he gave them this instruction. He said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. When I read that passage of Scripture, the phrase that really sticks out to me is his statement, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now think about that. I mean, how did Jesus love the disciples, and how does he love us? Totally, unconditionally. He laid down his life for us. He was willing to do anything for us so that we might come to know Jesus, come to know him, and come to know God in a personal way and he was willing to go to the cross to die for our sins. And I think about that statement. Now he is saying that as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And look around at the people here in our service this morning. And to your right and to your left and think about that. Jesus is saying to you, as I have loved you, I want you to love this person on your right or on your left. I want you to love that person across the aisle or this member of our congregation. I want you to love them just as I have loved you. What does that mean for us? And how do we show that in the way that we relate to one another in the body of Christ? That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? 
And we can only do that by His grace. And I think of the setting in which Jesus was in. I mean, it was the night before He was going to die. The night before He would go to the cross. And He wasn't wasting any words here. He was earnest about what He was saying and He was going to cover the most important things with the disciples. And so He says, this is what is essential. That you love one another. Why? Well, it is for the health of the body, His church, that we love one another, but also it is a witness to the world. He is saying, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This will be the distinguishing mark of the church, the thing that is most different from the world around us, a new community that are committed to one another, that love one another, that care for one another, that will be so radically different, it will be a witness to the world. Chip Ingram writes that our most powerful witness to the world around us, next to the Word of God, is our love for one another. It is what gives credibility to our message. We can speak the truth of the gospel and we can share the good news about Jesus Christ, but to some people it will be just simply words unless they see the reality of that lived out in our relationships with one another. And on that same night, Jesus would pray for the unity of the church, for authenticity in the way that we live. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. He was praying that night for you and for me, for those who would believe in him through the message of the gospel. And he prayed that all of us would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Again, he is praying for unity that we might enjoy that fellowship together in the body of Christ, but also that that would be a witness to the world. Jesus prayed that we would be an authentic community of believers who love one another and shine like lights in a dark world. And Chip Ingram in his book writes that authentic community is extraordinarily powerful, but it is also extraordinarily rare. It is rare. And when you find it, when you taste that in the body of Christ, don't ever take that for granted. Those close relationships, the fellowship you enjoy, the sense of working together in partnership toward a common goal, joining together our voices in worship and praise, and feeling cared for in the body of Christ, all of that, that's a rare thing in today's world. But when it happens, it is extraordinarily powerful. You know, we've seen that in our church. Uh, you know, and I think about those who have come to faith in Christ or those who have shared their testimony here. 
Uh, a few years ago, we had a man come to the men's retreat who was not a Christian, not a believer. You know, he had started to get to know people in the church, and someone had invited him to come to that men's retreat. And he was just so uh, touched by what he saw there. I mean, it just really made an impression on him that he came back that next week, and he sat down with Pastor Ron, and he just kind of said, you know, what gives? I mean, what gives? What was going on up there with all these guys and the good time that we were having together and the connections that were going on? And Ron walked through the gospel with him and shared that it is all based on that relationship with Jesus Christ. And he prayed to receive Christ. I was talking with a woman in our church this week who was sharing about in her own story. Didn't grow up in a Christian family. You know, it was just very much part of the world and what was going on and those kind of interactions. And when she saw an authentic Christian community of believers who love one another, care for one another, it was so attractive to her, she said, you know, I want that too. I want to experience that in my life. I want to be part of that. And God used that to draw her to Christ. Over and over again, we've heard that kind of testimony. Authentic Christian community is powerful, but it doesn't just happen. It is a work of God's Spirit, and it also requires obedience on our part to live this truth out, that we would love one another just as He loves us. How do we experience authentic community then? Well, there are four things that I want to share with you this morning. Authentic community is based on these four things. Number one, authentic community is based on real love. Real love. Verse 9. Paul writes that love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Love must be sincere means literally love without hypocrisy. Don't pretend, don't be phony in this, don't be faking it. It's got to be real and it's got to come from the heart. And for that to be happening in our life, you know, we need to be honest with one another. We've got to be real. Got to stop pretending, don't wear a mask, you know. We've got to be able to demonstrate the reality of Christ in our own life. And the word hypocrite, as many of you know, comes from the Greek theater at that time where an actor would be asked to play several different parts or read different lines. And so when he was reading lines that were comic, he would put on, you know, a happy, smiling face, put on that mask. And if he was reading lines that were tragic, he'd put on another mask that was sad. And he would speak from under a mask. Well, that's okay in the theater, but Paul says, don't do that in the church. Don't do that in the church. When you come and when you meet with your brothers and sisters in Christ, don't fake it. Don't put on a mask that everything's okay if it's not. Don't pretend to be more spiritual than you are. Be real and honest about what's going on in your life and share that openly with a group of believers that you trust. Because if we're going to be real, we also need to feel safe. You're not going to feel like you can open up and share what's going on in your life unless you feel like these are people that you can trust in your small group or in your ABF where you can share what's going on. Chuck Swindoll illustrated that um, in this way, and that many of you know he has a sister, Lucy, who's kind of a little crazy too and goofy in terms of her stories and funny things that happen. 
And so one day she bought Chuck a rubber mask for his birthday, and she dared him to wear that into the pulpit some Sunday. In fact, she said, you know, I'll I'll pay you even if you would wear that into the pulpit some Sunday morning. And uh, he never did. He just didn't want to do that on a Sunday morning. But he had an evening speaking engagement once where he was going to be talking about authenticity. So he puts on this rubber mask, you know, and he gets up there and he's starting to talk and go through his message. And, you know, he's pretty funny at times, too. And everybody's just laughing. Nobody's taking anything he says seriously. Why? Because he's wearing a mask. And it's pretty hard to be taken seriously when you're wearing a mask. And so he took that off, you know, and he made his point and he went on with his message. That if we are going to be authentic, we can't put on this kind of false front like everything's okay when it's not. We need to be real and we need to feel safe in a body of believers where we can have that kind of openness and honesty. We need to feel that we are among friends, like-minded believers who understand us and who want to help us to grow. Those that will care for us if we are hurting or those that will come alongside of us when we are struggling with things in our life. Friends who will pray for us. And he reminds us in this passage too that our love for one another must also be pure. He follows this command that our love must be sincere with these words that we are to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. We're to turn aside from those things in our world that are evil and that would pull us away from Christ. And we are to hold on to those things that are right and noble and pure and honest and excellent and praiseworthy. Our love must be pure. We are to love one another with a holy love that desires the very best. And all of that requires a spiritual maturity on our part. That we are growing in Christ and have wisdom and discernment and understand how to speak the truth in love with one another or to encourage one another. You know, one of the reasons that we have started to ask people in our church to share their faith stories, for example, is so that you can see and hear that all of us have struggles in our life. All of us have had things that we have had to deal with from our past, but by the grace of God, God has changed us. And we are different today because of what Jesus has done in our life. And there are still things that we deal with. There's still sin or pride or anger or jealousy or whatever it may be that may be there and pops up every now and then. We've got to deal with it. Or there are people that are still struggling with addictions in their life or difficulties in that way. And we want to be real about that and deal with those things. Because we want to become the person that God made us to be. And so right at the very start of this list of what it takes to be an authentic community is love. Love for one another. And secondly, authentic community is based on real commitment. Real commitment, verse 10. He tells us that we are to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And we are to honor one another above ourselves. Be devoted and honor one another. And those, again, are these short commands and strong statements of how we are to treat one another in the body of Christ. What saddens me in our world today is that there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who have no desire to be connected to a local church. Or they at 
don't take that very seriously. They're kind of loosely connected. They might be on the fringe, or they might say, that's my church, or I go over there once in a while, but they really have never experienced an authentic community. And sometimes people do that, you know, and and, uh, they've been disappointed by a past experience in a church. Or they've been hurt or wounded, and so they kind of gave up on it. And some have never tasted the real thing. The only thing that they've ever experienced is kind of like, you know, maybe a country club kind of atmosphere or a loose kind of connection. And so when they look at the church and they look at the Lions Club or the Rotary or some other kind of civic group, They go, I don't really see any difference there. I mean, these people are committed to working on some things here. And, you know, there's some people over here in this religious group. And I don't see a whole lot of difference. And so they don't value church because they've never tasted the real thing. They've never experienced an authentic Christian community that loves one another, is devoted to one another, and is excited about the mission and what God is doing in their midst. Because once you taste that, and you become a part of that kind of church or fellowship, you know, we've had people move away who go, man, I'm still looking. I'm still trying to find that kind of church in this community now. Or I am still looking for that kind of small group that I can meet with who really get it and understand it and are excited about their faith in Christ. And sadly, there are some Christians who just are too busy. I mean, they're just running and chasing all these things that the world has to offer and doing all of those things that they don't have time to develop meaningful relationships. Because it takes time. We need to value it. We need to prioritize it in our life. Relationships take time to develop in the body of Christ. It's something that we need to be committed to if we are going to experience that in our life. But what a joy it is to go through life with like-minded believers who love us and care about us. Where we see ourselves as a family. And we share joys together. And we share sorrows together in the body of Christ. And we are there for one another. At our 25th anniversary a couple weeks ago, um, I just loved hearing the stories that were shared by different people there. And I, I loved hearing it when people would say, you know, when I took the step of faith to be part of this church plant, it was the best thing that I'd ever done. This church has been such a blessing to me. Or to hear stories of people saying, you know, we came to know Christ here. God changed our life here. Or we have grown so much in our relationship with Him. Or we have more friends now than we've ever had. And and you've tasted that and you've experienced that kind of richness that comes in the body of Christ. What a joy that is. I think about how we share with one another in our times of sorrow or need. How when there's a health concern, we pray for one another. When there's been a loss in the family, we are there to encourage one another. With the passing of Gail's father, so many of you have sent cards and notes and prayed for us. and It just means so much at times like that to be thought of and remembered before God's throne. And we want to do that for everyone who is a part of this local body of Christ. Authentic community requires real commitment. 
But thirdly, authentic community is based on real spiritual life. And we see that in verses 11 and 12. He says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Authentic community is based on real spiritual life. You won't find authentic community in a dead church. It's not going to be there. And you won't find authentic community in a critical or divisive church, you know, where people are always trying to, you know, feel like, do I measure up or feeling judged or feeling put down? You're not going to find real community there. What Paul is describing here is a church that is spiritually alive. And he is talking again about how important it is that we stay connected. We need one another in the body of Christ. And when you have an authentic community, then there is this zeal for the Lord. There's an enthusiasm. There is a, an energy and an excitement about the things of God. People are using their gifts to serve the Lord and they're saying, you know, I can do that or I can help. And where there's needs, people step up and that's really exciting to see. There's joy in our ministry. There's a sense of patience when we go through trials. There is a dependence upon the Lord in prayer and people are bringing requests before God and being faithful in that. And all of those things just happen. That is normal in an authentic Christian community to have that kind of stuff going on all the time. And you can see the difference. You can feel the difference when people enjoy coming to church and God is at work. I love the sound of conversations that are going on out in the foyer before church and after church. And I know sometimes it's a struggle to get you to end that and to come on in here for the worship time, you know. But on the one side, I go, that is just wonderful that people enjoy that sense of connection and that the first thing that happens after church is over isn't people are all zipping out the door and looking for the exit, you know. But they're making connections with people. And if you haven't done that yet, and if you haven't experienced that kind of richness of fellowship, get into an adult Bible fellowship. Sign up for one of the small groups. Take that step of faith to get to know some other people in the body of Christ and experience that kind of relationship. You know, when I say you can see the difference when people enjoy coming to church and God is at work, in a church that is spiritually alive, people are regularly coming to faith in Christ as their Savior and Lord. Lives are being changed. People are involved in ministry. Those who are hurting are getting cared for. We are seeing answers to prayer all the time. At our staff meetings each week, we get together on Tuesday mornings, and one of the things that I like to do when we start is I like to share the highlights of the past week. And I ask our different staff uh, to share what happened last week and what was going on. Because there's stuff happening down with the youth or children that I don't see because I'm not directly there. There are things happening in adult ministry that Jason sees that maybe I don't. And we uh, share those highlights. This ministry is a, you know, it's a time when we're always looking ahead, always looking at the next event that needs to be planned. And so it's really good to just stop 
and focus and appreciate those highlights and thank the Lord for what he has done. So I want to share a couple with you this morning. You know, we have two white roses up here again today. Um, And they are for two children who came to know Christ as their Savior and Lord this last week. But do you know that this past year, we had 108 white roses on Sunday morning. Isn't that great? 108 white roses. Let's give the Lord a hand. You know, and and that comes through you. That comes through those of you that are involved in personal evangelism. Some are working in the jail ministry. Some are helping with the youth group. Uh, Those came through VBS, uh, through children's ministry, on goal soccer. I mean, the different things that we do for outreach. But praise God. What a joy it is to have a church where people feel like they know what they can do. I mean, they know how to share the gospel. They know how to ask the question and make that clear and lead someone in that way in prayer so that they can invite Jesus to be their Savior and Lord. And I love to see that over and over again. You know that regarding our budget this past year, we came a little short of our goal of the budget, but our giving exceeded our expenses by $6,700. And praise the Lord in a down economy again that he was able to do that and provided through you, through your generosity, so that we could do everything we intended to do in our ministry this past year. Do you know that last Friday night there were um, not, excuse me, a week ago from Friday, not this past one, but the week before, we had a fifth quarter event here at the youth center uh, from nine to midnight, and Mike Lazat shared his testimony that night. 150 students were there. You know, many of them are not from you know, a church family, or they don't know the Lord as their Savior, and they're coming, and they're being invited by friends. And I go, What a great thing. I mean, that's why we built that youth center. It's a place where students could gather, a place for outreach and ministry, and that is happening. And God is using that to share the gospel and to bring students into a relationship with Christ. But I think also about missions and what God's doing. And when I think about the Sani people, and how that work is continuing through a national worker now, and how there are five villages that have believers in those five villages among a people group that, say, 10 years ago, we didn't know of any Christians among them. And now those things are happening, and there's a person with Wycliffe who's working to translate the Bible into their language so that they can have the Word of God themselves. Or I think of the bee people in Thailand where Carrie works. And one of those interesting things I heard just this last week was that, you know, the bee people that live across the border from Thailand in a closed access country, and I won't say what it is because we uh, put our messages out there on the web too, but, um, you know, they, they began to pray. There were believers there who 35 years ago began to pray for someone who would bring them the Scripture in their own language because they don't have the Word of God in their language as a people group. And you know what's interesting about that? 35 years ago, Carrie was born. And, you know, you think about that. I mean, who but God could do that? That he could hear the prayers on one side of the world and on the other side of the world, here's this young woman who was born 
who he will give those life experiences and gifts and skills and take and fashion her so that she can be that instrument that he will use to bring the scriptures to people who never had it before. And, and we get to be a part of that, you know? We get to share in the joy of that through our support of her ministry and our prayers for what she is doing. And over and over again, every single week, it's like those kind of stories are coming out of what God's doing through different ministries in the church. God is alive and He is at work. And those are the kind of things that you see in a Christian community that is experiencing what He intends. What a joy that is. So today, there's a congregational prayer meeting just after the second service. I'd encourage you to go. Be part of what God is doing. Just take that half an hour and say, you know what, we're going to stay today and we're going to meet and we're going to pray for some of these requests and ministry things that are coming up. And fourthly, we need to care for one another. Authentic community is based on real concern and it is based on generous living. Generous living. Where people get it and they freely share with one another. He tells us in verse 13, he says, um, excuse me, that we are to share with God's people who are in need and we are to practice hospitality. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Good words for those of us who live in a very fast-paced kind of culture that tends to just focus on our own needs and what we have going in our own life. And he's saying, no, I want you to be concerned about your brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to share with one another when you see needs. I want you to demonstrate the reality of my love. You know, the scripture tells us that our priority, our first priority in caregiving is to be within the church. Share with God's people who are in need. Galatians 6.10 puts it like this. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We are to be involved in good deeds in our community, and we are to do things like our clothing giveaway or helping with the food shelf or helping with needs in the community around us. That's a witness for Christ. But our first priority is to care for one another in the body of Christ. When Jesus said, you know, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers, he's talking about those who have come into a relationship with God. And he's talking about those individuals, we would say, within the context of the church. We are to be concerned for those that are in the persecuted church around the world and to pray for our brothers and sisters. We're to be concerned about what happens in other parts of the world with believers when they go through times of crisis or natural disasters or things like that. And as God gives us our assignments, then we're to carry them out because we care about the body of believers locally and also worldwide. And it is that care for one another again that is a powerful witness to the world that they really love one another, that they really do care for one another. You know, when I think about our deacons fund here at the church, um, we use that to help people in our congregation who have short-term needs. 
It might be helping with food to stretch the dollars for the month. It might be paying a utility bill or a car repair. And we use that over and over again throughout the year. And the people who receive help are just so very grateful for your generosity in giving to that fund. And many times, the people who have received help say, can I give that back or can I do that? And we don't expect that. This is not a loan to be repaid. But many times, those people that are helped, when they get on their feet or when they are able, turn around and they give back to the deacon's fund because they want to help someone else. And that, that's what God intends, that we would care for one another. That we aren't always takers, for example. That we are also givers. And that we see as we are able, each one doing what they can, that we give back to the ministry. We give in terms of our time and our involvement. Or we give in terms of the resources that God has given to us. And in so doing, the whole church grows. And then he tells us that we are to practice hospitality. We are to open our home to others and use it as a place for ministry. That our homes have been given to us not just for our own enjoyment, but to be a blessing to others. And so it might be that you host a dinner for eight in your home. And you invite someone over that you don't know very well yet from the church. And you bring them into your home and you share a meal together. It might be you are using your home to get to know your neighbors. Or it's a place where your kids can bring their friends over and be in a safe environment and have a good time together. Dedicate your home to the Lord. Say, God, thank you for this house or this apartment we have. And help us, Lord, to use this freely for your glory. And think about those opportunities and different ways that you can do that to be a blessing to someone else. Paul is describing here an authentic Christian community where the believers get it, where it's not just words to say we love one another, but they deeply care for one another from the heart. Do you remember the television comedy Cheers? It's on a number of years ago, but there's still the reruns being shown today. And when you think about that show, I mean, it was very popular at the time. And it was kind of interesting in that on this particular show, there were some questionable things that we would object to, but when you look at it on the whole, you think there were no murders, there were no kidnappings, there's no high-speed chases, there's no drug deals going down or criminal conspiracies, you know, like many of the crime shows that are on today. There was just the interactions of lonely people that were looking to find friends. And the theme song for that show really described what the show was all about. And the words for the theme song from Cheers were this. That making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? And sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. You know, the bar, the tavern is kind of like the world's counterfeit to what God intends to happen in the church. You know, that God wants people to be able to come to a church to experience that kind of environment where people know your name, where they care about what's going on in your life, where you understand that we all have our struggles and needs and we can be real and honest about that. 
And what we find is love and support and encouragement and prayer. And we begin to experience a Christian community that is genuine and loving for one another. What does that take? What does it take to be an authentic Christian community? It takes real love. It takes real commitment. It takes real spiritual life. And it takes a real concern and generous living. Now here's the question for all of us to think about. Am I doing my part? Am I doing my part? Do I feel connected? Am I giving back? Is there something I need to do to take the initiative to get into a a fellowship group or a small group where I can begin to experience that? Is there a place where I can use my gifts to serve and to be a part of what's happening so that this church might be all that God intends it to be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word this morning, for its truth, its power, its clarity. And Father, we pray that you would help us as a congregation here at Lakes Free to be everything that you intend us to be. I pray that we would regularly see people come to know Christ and we praise you for 108 white roses that represent 108 spiritual births this year. And Father, we thank you that there are people being encouraged and growing in their faith and being equipped for ministry each week. I thank you for students that are being challenged and encouraged to walk with you and to live their lives fully devoted to you. I thank you for how you are raising up laborers for the harvest, like Carrie, who's gone out from our congregation, and many, many others. And Father, we pray for your blessing on them. Show us what it is that you want us each to do, and may we live our lives fully devoted to you for your honor and glory. Amen.